morning's reading is from a, the text of A Course in Miracles, page 473. Do not defend this senseless dream in which God is bereft of what he loves and you remain beyond salvation. Only this is certain in this shifting world that has no meaning in reality. When peace is not with you entirely, and when you suffer pain of any kind, you have beheld some sin within your brother and have rejoiced at what you thought was there. The Christ in you is very still. He looks on what he loves and knows it as himself. And thus does he rejoice at what he sees, because he knows that it is one with him and with his Father. There is no dream of specialness, however hidden or disguised of form, however lovely it may seem to be, however much it delicately offers the hope of peace and the escape from pain, in which you suffer not your condemnation. In dreams, effect and cause are interchanged, for here the maker of the dream believes that what he made is happening to him. He does not realize he picked a thread from here, a scrap from there, and wove a picture out of nothing. For the parts do not belong together, and the whole contributes nothing to the parts to give them meaning. Where could your peace arise but from forgiveness? The Christ in you looks only on the truth and sees no condemnation that could need forgiveness. He is at peace because he sees no sin. Identify with him, and what has he that you have not? He is your eyes, your ears, your hands, your feet. How gentle are the sights he sees, the sounds he hears. friend of mine who is a very famous painter. She's been on, you, you may have seen her on television, she's one of the top people in her profession as far as uh, media recognition and how much her paintings sell for and so forth. They sell for just incredible figures, over $100,000 of painting. Um, she uh, was at this, uh, she was at a, at a, at a famous uh, show. Uh, she'd been invited to this. It's covered by the media and everything. And uh, in this uh, very famous show, they uh, have two categories. They've got one that where your uh, painting is auctioned. And then they've got one where your uh, where your your paintings are sold, so you can enter either one. But the the one that goes for a great deal of money because there's an open bar, uh, <laughs> sell for just incredible figures. And um, she had had a painting sell there for just uh, so much money that it made the news two years in a row. And then she got ill from the thought of doing it again. This literally made her physically sick to think of going through this one more time because the, the last two years running, the, the painting had sold for more than it had the year before, and she thought, gosh, I, I just can't duplicate this again. 
So there were some uh, very uh, important people that uh, were behind this show, and she told them that she just couldn't do this anymore. She would enter the, the part where you sold the paintings, but she just she couldn't enter the auction anymore. So they put a lot of pressure on her. She declined, and then the second year came around, and she declined once again. But once again, she did put some paintings in the sales part, and this brought a lot of money to the organization, but they didn't have her name to flash around. And so when she got to her hotel room this last year, having declined, she found that there was no fruit basket in her room. And someone uh, said that they had been in the room uh, when they had been deciding which artists should get fruit and which artists should not get fruit. Uh, and, of course, they had, she had angered them, so she got no fruit. Furthermore, she did not get the sweet uh, that she was, that they had usually given her. They gave her the, the smaller room to show their disapproval. Now, these were people that she had visited in their homes and so forth. Last time we talked about betrayal. This was a story I heard this last week, and I thought I'd pass it on to you about the silly kind of stuff that goes on. During the same period, she was uh, invited to uh, a person's house who was in the uh, movie industry, very, very big name in the movie industry, and she was a house guest there. So, in appreciation for the very nice time uh, and accommodation, the hospitality, and so forth, she gave uh, this man a painting as a, as a gift. And uh, he thanked her for it and said, oh, by the way, I just bought this new Stetson hat. And uh, all the other artists in the show are, they're drawing a little picture and signing their name on my hat. I wish you'd do that too. She thought for a moment. She said, well, I'd be very happy to do something else, but I don't do my best work on hats. And uh, I think I'll decline that. He was so angry that he immediately took her painting and sold it instead of keeping it as a gift. Pocketed the uh, $9,000, just a little watercolor. Now, the reason I tell you this is uh, not to depress you. <laughs> Actually, I thought that the sign of the hat in the fruit basket might be sort of funny, but I see actually de depressed a number of people here. <laughs> uh, I just tell you this to show you how silly this kind of relationship is and how you can't count on it. Uh, maybe you think that you can, you can reach some position in this world where these things don't happen to you. But see, you're wrong can't do that. So it doesn't matter. This, The world will not change for you, and there will be these little betrayals from people whose egos are still so strong that they don't really have a choice in all this. The man didn't have a choice but to get angry because she wouldn't do a painting on, or a drawing on, on his hat. Now, a few months, a few years from now, he will be beyond that, and he'll, he would just laugh. He probably wouldn't even ask an artist to do that. Uh, 
But if he did, he certainly it wouldn't be a big issue. It, he would understand possibly that someone wouldn't want to do that. Nor would the people be vindictive, not give the fruit basket. A few years from now, maybe many years from now, we don't know how long it takes someone to begin to see the insanity of all this, and it doesn't make, and that it does not make them happy to take out these little revenges to, uh, to get back, to get even. The people who do these things, of course, think it do, thinks that it does give them satisfaction, which is, interestingly enough, another, is, is a synonym, an actual synonym for revenge, to get satisfaction. Isn't that funny? Um, now, as we go through this and we see that the world does this kind of thing to us as we go along, it is very easy to sort of pile up these bitternesses about what's happened, accumulate them. If we do that, of course, we're, we're on the same level as the people who have done this. We have actually gone back, no matter how much progress we've made, for the time being at least, we have gone back to this very unhappy state that these people still find themselves in. And so our talk this morning is about rules. And it is not about the kind of rules that we uh, sort of accumulate as we go along. Let me read you a, a letter that someone uh, wrote me this week. Just a part, just a part of the letter. I'm going to read the whole letter, just a part of it. She was someone who had been uh, gone through uh, some betrayals recently. And here were, here were some of the uh, insights that she received. She said, You don't want your life to become a reaction against something or someone. Your parents, where you grew up, the fact that you didn't go to the right school, and so forth. Now, everyone should have a hard time during hard times. Did you hear that? That's good. That's very good. We, we, we expect too much of ourselves if we think we can go through these things in perfect peace and happiness. If someone seems to betray you, then let me quote this again. Everyone should have a hard time during hard times. You're, you're not going to escape this entirely. And so don't condemn yourself because you can't sail through these things. We still think this world is real. We still think that all this stuff that's going on is actually hurting us forever, damaging us eternally. And of course it isn't, but it seems so real, just as the dream last night seemed so real, so real that we may have screamed out our pain in our dream last night. Even though we woke a few minutes later and realized, oh, that was just a dream. That will happen to you. You will see that these are just people's little dreams that are betraying you. Their little self-images. Their little identities that they have constructed. Very shabby and sad and so forth. It's like um, shadow puppets or finger shadows or whatever you call them, you know, the, we make a shadow on the wall. All that happened was that their ego attacked your ego. That's really all that happened. 
And so you look against the wall, and there's these two little finger shadows fighting each other on the wall. It had no more effect on you than that. But it feels like it hurt. It feels like it got to you. It feels like it, in fact, damaged you for this to happen. And so now maybe you feel like you want to get back and do something about this. So, of course, remind yourself that this did not affect you, but forgive yourself if it seems to. Everyone should have a hard time during hard times, but you don't want to wear the results of your bad times like a badge. You are not your terrible parents, your alcoholism, or your rotten first marriage. And see, that's the, that's the problem. Is we let these things accumulate, and with them, we let rules accumulate. Rules made out of pain. Not from peace, but out of pain. So although we'll be talking about rules this morning, we won't be talking about that kind of rule. Gail and I have a, a friend that comes into town to see us every once in a while. And he has learned the lesson that you must always get a room near the highway. That your hotel or motel room must be very, very near the highway. And it should, in fact, be on the highway. And, in fact, it should be on the side of the highway that you are heading. Because the meridians are very confusing and you don't know whether you'll get across them. Now, I don't know what experience he had. He got lost some in Detroit or someplace. I don't know what happened. But he, he made this rule for himself. If a big semi had peeked its hood into his motel room one morning, he would have learned, never get a room near the highway. And this he would try to live by this for the rest of his life. Never, never get a room near the highway. So it's not that kind of rule. It's not a rule with specificity. Gail told me that uh, when she was a girl of uh, 17, that she actually, actually used to get actual chills in her body with the excitement of buying cigarettes from the machine that said, these are not for anyone under 18. <laughs> And that's the way we think of rules. And rule, but the fun thing is to break rules. And of course, the kind of rules that we make for ourselves, the only sane thing to do is to break them. So we're not talking about that kind of rule. A real, true, good rule is sort of a guideline. It's like a willow that bends in the, in the breeze. It stays anchored in peace. Its purpose is peace. Its purpose is to make you happy. But, of course, you look at the present and at the circumstances and allow the rule to bend ever so gently if it needs to, and yet it stays planted in peace. The purpose of a rule is to bring you peace. And so true rules make you happy and make your life less complicated. A rule that is not a good rule for you is complicating things, adding hassle and confusion. And so step away from it. As we go along, we will, we will see the world 
more clearly. Now, it's obvious, isn't it, that we will see truth more clearly. That we are beginning to feel the presence of God more deeply. That we're beginning to see that it makes us happy to be kind. But it does not make us happy to attack, even in jest. We're beginning to see that. Obviously, we're beginning to see truth more clearly. But perhaps you've also noticed that you're beginning to see the nature of this world. The dream you had last night was set up in a certain way. The dream you had last night had certain rules. It had a certain reality that was constructed in a certain way. Although it wasn't quite, wasn't rigid, wasn't completely rigid, the rules could change. But this is also true of this world. This world is constructed in a certain way. It has a course of things. It is not as rigid as most people think. It is not, it doesn't have the logic that most people think. It isn't as reliable as most people think. As you've seen, for example, in the rules of good health, how those change. You know, like Woody Allen waking up many years later and they're offering him hot fat and chocolate or whatever it was <clears throat> because the rules had changed. Now that was going to make you healthy, you see. It is very good to acknowledge to yourself how the world is. This doesn't have to be discussed with other people. You don't have to get in arguments about this, but notice for yourself how the world is constructed so that you can walk through it more easily. You will not be able to manipulate it because you notice how it's constructed. This is generally misunderstood. This is not going to give you some sort of uh, advantage over other people, except that you will be able to not buck things that don't need to be bucked. So first, let's talk about some rules of rules. Don't make rules out of pain. Make them out of peace. Let your rules be general. They don't have to be about uh, specific things. Uh, ru uh, rules about and We have rules about insects. Now, Gail and I were talking about this last night, and we realized that the good insects are the ones that eat the bad insects. <laughs> I have a friend. Now, uh, we know all know that ladybugs are just absolute little saints. <laughs> and... Uh, Children picked this up from us. I, uh, John and his little uh, girlfriend, both both of them four years old, were swimming yesterday, and there was a little uh, there was a little ladybug in the pool, and she was telling him what a good little bug this was. K uh, children kill bugs with such innocence. Have you noticed this? Um, John will John will find a bug, you see, and um, he of course hasn't learned which are the good bugs and the bad bugs. So. He's trying to figure this out, but it's so much fun to smush them, see. And so there he'll have something like a caterpillar, and he's about to, uh, well, he's, he's, he's decided he's going to make a home for it and put it in a jar with grass and so forth. And then we'll go back later and no more caterpillar. <laughs> the caterpillar is now a stain. It's a new word he's learned. <laughs> and we'll say, John, uh, why did you do that? Ah. Uh, I think it was getting ready to say the F word. <laughs> he always has a reason, you see, as to why he's been done. 
But a friend of mine recently bought some uh, praying mantis because those are, I mean, first of all, they pray. This is, they've got to be good. Uh, and, of course, they eat the bad bugs. So he, he, a friend of mine bought some, he bought the eggs, actually. And he put them out in his greenhouse. And they hatched into numerous praying mantis. But there was a small confined area and he sort of watched them. Within about three days, there was only one praying mantis left. <laughs> they had all eaten each other except one of them. <laughs> there weren't any bad bugs there. You see. So you don't want your rules to be about specifics, like <clears throat> I should never see so-and-so ever and ever again, or I should always avoid a certain situation, <clears throat> or how long you're going to spend doing something. That's a typical ego rule. Don't tell yourself how long you're going. Don't tell yourself how long you're going to diet. Don't tell yourself how long you're going to do anything. You can say, I think I would like to attempt to do this for such and such a period of time. But then if you realize that you're up against your ego on this one, halfway through, you want to do something to put your ego in abeyance. That's the purpose of a rule. The rule looks at the ego, see what, sees what it's up to, and does what is necessary to calm it down. And so, of course, you don't want to get in a war about your smoking. Maybe you've decided that you are going to cut back X number of cigarettes each week, and then you get to the uh, sixth week, and now, suddenly, this is not the right number. It is a mistake to start fighting your ego. You will lose on the ego's battleground. And so don't do that. Look at what's going on. Sit down in peace and see what you want to do about this. So that you can walk around this. Your ego is, a, is static that prevents you from hearing the voice of God, the voice of gentleness. That prevents you from feeling the touch of your friend who walks beside you. For you do indeed have a, have a friend. There is someone who has always been with you and you wish to feel the touch of this friend's hand and the gentle whisper of this friend's voice. And the ego prevents you from doing this. But you can turn down the volume on the ego if you will look at it and see how childish it is and see how limited it is, even in its own terms. It only has a few little tricks in its bag. You know what they are, and so walk around them. There is nothing to prove here. Truth does not need your defense. And don't adopt rules that sound good. Uh, most of us grew up at a time in which there was a rule... It's all right if the rule sounds good, but I mean, don't adopt it just because it sounds logical. See for yourself if this fits the nature of the world. Many of you grew up at a time in which it was believed that the child should be toughened for life. And so the books at that time were telling parents not to pick up their children if they cried. Not to buy them, uh, but a very, very few toys, and on and on and on that this would get them used to the world and, and it wouldn't be such a shock. That sounds logical, doesn't it? 
but it is not the nature. It just happens not to fit the nature of the, of the world. It happens not to fit the nature of a child. This does not help a child to toughen him and to turn out the light and let him scream bloody murder because he sees a monster outside the window. This does not toughen the child. It sounds logical, doesn't it? But it just doesn't work. So see if your, if your rule fits the reality of the world as it is at this time. And then, as we said before, let your rule be like a willow. Have you seen the sign, exit here, exit here? I think one of the reasons that children love all these uh, things like uh, Spider-Man and Superman and so forth is that they can exit anywhere they want. Right, go right through the ceiling, whatever they want. So I'm going to give you some rules. Many of these we've talked about before. These are things that you will probably find helpful sooner or later. If you don't understand the rule, it simply means, perhaps, that you are feeling some resistance to following the rule, in which case you should not follow it. Don't try to understand the rule. These are very simple rules. If you don't understand it, it simply means you're not ready for this rule, or perhaps you're beyond it. So just see if it fits, if it helps. But don't argue. There's no point in arguing about these things. These rules are not rules of truth. These are rules of the world, and there are a lot of them in A Course in Miracles. There is a, uh, the Course in Miracles addresses itself to the nature of the world far more than most people realize in the beginning. It also addresses itself to pure truth, and sometimes this is confusing if you don't read carefully to see which it is talking about at the moment. Don't tell someone what someone else said about them. Don't tell someone what someone else said about them, even if it's a compliment. Now, that's the one. You see, we can see we shouldn't pass on a criticism. But please notice the effect that passing on a compliment has on the individual you're giving it to. Just look for yourself and ask yourself, does this make this individual more peaceful? Every one of these rules... If you break them, you will feel a little anxiety in all probability as you break it. Because you sense that this is going against the course of things. There's no logic to this. There's no reason why you shouldn't be able to pass a compliment on. But simply notice that it generally calls to the person's ego to hear what someone else said about them. Whether it was a criticism or a compliment. As a matter of fact, the person will usually come to the defense of their ego. So-and-so said, you're such a kind person. Well, I just ate my pet rabbit last night. <laughs> I mean, they'll, they'll t won't they? They'll, they'll immediately tell you some awful thing, you know. I just did. I remember uh, once someone came up to me after I'd given a talk and said that I had green light around my hand. And so I went to some of my psychic friends to find out 
what it meant to have a green hand. I, and uh, it's supposed to, well, I, I, they said, you can heal with that hand. I, I can't tell you how many embarrassing situations I got myself in over the next two or three months before I realized that uh, this person just happened to be wrong. I couldn't heal with my left hand. And I always said, I'd have to get in position. So the left hand was the one that was touching them, you see. It was not a nice thing to be told that I had a green left hand. <laughs> Another time someone told me that my voice was a healing voice. And I had no idea what to do about that. I didn't know whether it meant it was the softness of the voice. Did this mean I was supposed to talk more? Maybe I should say hi to everyone I passed. <laughs> I mean, why not? I mean, I could heal them all, so... Just notice the effect that a compliment has on you. And then notice in the person's face what the effect of the compliment has on them. You see, so often, compliments single out and say, you're better than. It's a comparison. And so, of course, the person has to immediately start comparing in order to hear it, in order to receive it. Would you ever say to God, you're the just... God, you're just the best old God around. There's just I, all those other gods. We, uh, we took Gail to the... Uh, you see, you wouldn't do that because there's no ego to receive. You know that there's no ego to receive such a thing, don't you? We took uh, John to the uh, carnival uh, uh, night before last. Oh, also last night. <laughs> uh, and... Uh, there's a, there's a little thing there called a moonwalk. And for some reason, the guy that uh, ran it just fell in love with John, just thought John was the most wonderful thing. And his way of doing this, oh, his way of, of acting this out was to uh, let John stay in there as long as he wanted. He didn't have to give any more tickets to pay. Other people had to pay. The other kids could come out, but John could stay in there. And he was very vocal about this. That little kid can just come in here anytime he wants. He can stay just anytime he wants. These other kids are brats. <laughs> They're all brats. And this went on. I mean, this is now, was that a happy thing? It was not, I'll tell you, it was not a happy thing. <laughs> we had to not look the other parents in the eye and all kinds of things. And yet we were in the dilemma of, because he just loved to bounce in the moonwalk. And yet, uh, at the same time, there's this, un I mean, fortunately, children oftentimes can't receive these things either. They don't yet have enough of an ego to uh, receive compliments like that. But that, of course, changes as we go along. Rule number two. Don't discuss someone who is not there. Don't discuss someone who is not there. Now, don't say you don't understand that. <laughs> okay. Number three. I'm just giving you a few rules as to how you can walk more easily through this world. Many of these come from A Course in Miracles. Don't kid about wanting to get away from your spouse. Don't kid about liking to spend time away. Do you see how this is a betrayal? It seems so funny, but you see it's a betrayal. That's why you feel a little sick when you kid with another parent about wanting to spend time away from your children. 
needing to get away from your children, liking the fact that your spouse has gone on a vacation. Do you see this is a betrayal? This is bucking the course of things. Because to the ego, time is loyalty. And you are bucking an ego rule. And in ego terms, you are being disloyal. Why fight that battle? Of course it doesn't matter where you spend your time. But that's in the realm of absolute truth. In other words, don't take risks with another person's emotions by kidding them, by passing on a confidence that you think is harmless to pass on. Why take risks with another person's emotions? Don't single out with special favor. Now, the moonwalk is an example. So often we do this with children. We tell them how special they are. We give them special favors. And notice that all this does is make them feel distant from other children. Yes, it does pump up their little egos. And yes, they may, they may act with more confidence. But know how, notice how quickly the bubble is popped. Don't single out someone for special favor. You were at peace says A Course in Miracles, until you asked for special favor. You were at peace until you asked for special favor. This is a wonderful rule for prayer. If your prayer is disturbing you, it is probably because you are asking for special favor. Ask for what you are given and what is everyone's. All the happiness and all the peace and all the life and all the brightness and all the splendor, and all the reality that ever was and ever could be. That's what you ask for. Don't question someone in order to prove them wrong. Also last night, uh, Gail took John to have his picture taking at pennies, having had a special deal. And there was a little line of parents and children there. And uh, the mother that had the little girl in front of John had obviously trained her child extremely well. She was very verbally sophisticated. And uh, she was asking her child question after question to sort of display the, uh, the great knowledge that this uh, little child had. For example... When she asked John how old he was, he said four. And when she asked the little girl how old she was, uh, she's three and five months. Oh, excuse me, two years and five months, she said. Two years and five months. None of this two business, you see. Now, John has picked up at school. You know how kids pick these things up. He has picked up at school... For some reason, baby talk is the fad now among four-year-olds. I don't know if you have one, but you they, they're, oh, it's, just, it's just going all over Santa Fe. And so he, on all occasions, he just he pulls this out. He thinks it has tremendous humor because on the playground, it does. Everybody just breaks up about this. So John picked this particular time to, <laughs> to start saying, Mama, 
Mama. And um, the woman said uh, to her little girl, uh, would you like some uh, chewing gum, dear? And uh, she said yes. And she said, uh, what kind of chewing gum would you like? And the uh, little girl said, uh, xylitol. <laughs> and John overheard this and started saying, Mama, gum. Mama, gum. <laughs> and uh, so the woman turned around and said, uh, oh, what kind of gum would you like? Yellow kind, yellow kind. <laughs> now, when this woman discovered a gold mine. So she not only would ask her daughter a question, she'd turn around and ask John the same question. You see. Um, one of the deacons uh, was in uh, was in the bank getting a loan and overheard the following conversation at the bank. A man came in and he was uh, <laughs> he was all bandaged up and limping and well, he wasn't limping he was just bent, kind of bent over and everything and uh, and he went up to uh, the, one of the secretaries, and uh, she said, gosh, what happened to you? And he said, oh, and he said, my, uh, I'm, I'm quoting now. You, you know you know the kind of language you hear in banks. Uh, oh, he said, uh, he said, uh, my secretary believes in astrology, and uh, some damn planet is retrograding over Santa Fe. And uh, uh, she said that, uh, uh, all Tauruses are going to have upper body accidents. And you know what? I ran right into a, a pay meter, one of those meters in front of the cars, and I had to go to the hospital. I had broken ribs. He said, how many times would you run in front of a pay meter? So it's just, it's just something that you might want to watch to notice that the, that the ego... What the ego does with questions, you see, even the most innocent kind of question uh, is not necessarily something. Of course, you know, you fall down the stairs and and uh, so forth, and there you are lying, and someone comes along and you said, would you please hand me my arm over there? I'm, I mean, you don't get silly about this. Of course, there are times for questions in my finger, too. Uh, that, I mean, that finger over there. And, of course, it's all right to do that. Don't argue against. Go around. Don't argue against another person's position. Go around it. You have nothing to prove. It doesn't matter whose ego wins. Any argument has nothing to do with truth, even if it's purportedly about truth. It has nothing to do with truth. There is no argument in God. There's only peace. Now here's a real, this is my favorite one, the whole list. Don't ask someone to do something for you. Ah, uh, I bet you've just thought of a hundred exceptions, like getting the arm and the finger and so forth like that. Don't ask someone to do something for you. If you'd like to add, if you can do it yourself. Notice that it doesn't make people happy to ask them, while you're up there, would you get so-and-so, or did you do such-and-such, or... 
such and such a thing needs taken care of. Would you mind taking care of it? Or while you're at the store, would you do so and so? Of course you can make this into a fetish. Of course you can make this into a rule that will drive you crazy. But notice how often you don't have to ask the person you're living with or working closely with to do little favors for you, to do things for you. I am telling you that on an ego, worldly level, your relationship with anyone that you are close to, that you're spending a lot of time with, will go more smoothly if you don't ask them to do anything. Give everything and demand nothing. Of course there are exceptions to that. And these rules are not to be pulled out as some sort of measuring device to, uh, to, to determine whether your conversation has just been right or wrong, whether you did was right or wrong. This is a gentle thing you put in your heart. Demand nothing. Give everything. It's a gentle rule. You just let it sit there and guide you. But you don't think too much about it. and You don't worry about whether it applies to this situation or that situation. That's the way you can tell a true rule. It is a friend to you. It helps you. It comes in and whispers in your ear every once in a while and says, it'll be a little easier if you don't do this. If you don't pick up every dog on the highway. It'll be a little easier if you, a little bit easier. We've talked about don't discuss your relationship. And last time we talked about don't do anything about the betrayal. You see, doing something about it does change things. And someone who had been betrayed told me this this last week. Evidently, there's that that talk that we had last time uh, triggered a lot of things in people because I've had a lot of comments about uh, what's going on in various people's lives. And so I know that a lot of you have gone through something like this recently where it seems as if you've been betrayed, been betrayed by someone or by a number of people, maybe by a whole office of people or something. Now, one person told me the following thing. She was betrayed by two of her friends. Now, by betrayed, I simply mean they overtly attacked her in a very unexpected way. In a way that she did not think that a true friend would attack. And, of course, she was right. A true friend wouldn't have done that. And so, of course, it did help her to see that these were not true friends. Simply meaning that there was no holy relationship. Now, of course, we ask for these relationships. These people that we that betray us are relationships that we sought. We knew that this was an alliance of convenience on some grounds, someone we could gossip with, someone who could help us in this endeavor and that endeavor, someone who was attractive to be with, someone who, whatever it may be. On some level, of course, we realized that we were forming an ego alliance here. This is nothing to be afraid of. You don't need to worry about whether or not you're doing it because you are always doing it, says A Course in Miracles. Every relationship you have starts out on an ego basis. 
says A Course in Miracles. It starts out as a special relationship. So this is not anything to worry about, but it's not as if we didn't set this thing up, even though we couldn't have helped it, even though that's just what happened a long time ago. And so she said that she was very, very sad about this when she found out about these two friends. And although she had heard the words here at church that it was best not to do anything about this, she chose to avoid that rule and to call up and try to make up with these friends, which is very difficult to do because she didn't think that she had done anything. But somehow she wanted to rekindle the thing. It seemed like such a loss to have lost these two friends, and so maybe there was some way to, quote, heal the relationship. But of course that wasn't what her ego was up to. And so, in fact, she did succeed in having very long conversations with both these people. Didn't bring up the thing, of course. She knew better than that than to bring up the incident. She did have very good conversations with these. There was much laughter and all the old things were renewed and so forth. When she got off the phone, all that had happened was that her emotions had changed from from sorrow to anger. Now she found herself angry at the two people. Not because of anything that happened on the conversation, but have you noticed this? Someone leaves you. Maybe it's someone you're romantically involved with. Someone leaves you and you succeed in getting them back to assuage your sorrow and now you're angry at them. And now you want to leave them. Have you noticed that? So all the ego can offer you is another ego emotion. And so you are on a seesaw going up and down, up and down. What you want to do with your rules, with your looking at the world, is to stop the seesaw so you can get off of it. Not just keeping it swinging first one way and then the other. Now I want to end with just a few mental rules. The first one is use any mental trick, any mental trick you need to, to bring your mind to peace. Someone this last week told me that uh, that one of their uh, uh, bosses, they have two bosses, and one of the bosses at the office called this man. And the boss started attacking this man's bank. What an awful bank it was, and what an ugly building it was, and so forth. And his bank was better. And suddenly this guy found himself coming to the defense of his bank. He was arguing about what a wonderful bank it was, and so forth. And he realized, suddenly he realized the insanity. Right in the middle of the conversation, he realized the insanity. So here's the mental trick he used. He pretended that this was a conversation that was taking place between two other people like on a sidewalk, and he was overhearing it. And then he realized it didn't matter what bank, what the bank was, you see. And so he just joined in and said, oh, you're so right, the auto paint, I'm an ugly bank on the front of it, and so forth, you see. Suddenly he realized that there was nothing to defend. It was a mental trick. Another person told me that they had used the same mental trick when, when, they, were told, uh, when, it was, when they were told that uh, they were losing their figure. 
Now, instead of coming to defend to the defense of their figure, which they couldn't do in all honesty, <laughs> uh, but still you feel like saying something, you know. Uh, once again, this person pretended as if it was being as if they and this other person were talking about a third person. They weren't talking about their figure, they were talking about another person's figure. That's a mental trick. Use any mental trick you wish to. It, we, uh, we, we make ourselves walk such a narrow, bitter little path. We give ourselves such few options. We think that there are only a few things that can happen this day, and we can still remain at peace. We have a broad list of things that if any of them happen, we must lose our peace. You must get to the point where you are no longer vulnerable to this world. Now, this doesn't mean, mean that you harden yourself against it. Because that's just, that's that seesaw again. It's going to, say, anger or resentment or insensitivity in order not to be hurt by the world. But you're being hurt by the anger and the insensitivity. So you don't harden yourself, but you do cease being vulnerable to the world, realizing that the world is not going to change. And so the situation has arisen. And of course, you weren't able to control the day. And although you applied all the rules and you did everything that you thought you could, of course, the day didn't go quite as you expected. And of course, you're late for the appointment. Or of course, this uh, dress has a spot on it. And of course, all those things, of course, that happens. When will you cease being vulnerable to that? When will the peace of God be more important than a spot? Or being late? Or rainy weather? Or the tone of voice that someone speaks to you at a store? Or whether the store is out of this or out of that? When will the time come? It must come now. Now we must say, Nothing has to go right today. <laughs> all I want is the peace of God. If all you want is the peace of God, nothing indeed has to go right today. So how are we going to end today? <laughs> I forgot. We're not going to do the hymn. We're we're not going to do the hymn. Oh. Oh, so we're going to do the closing hymn? Oh, oh, that, oh, that, oh the closing hymn's not here. Oh. We've got this nice closing hymn that John Gucci suggested that we sing. Uh, but we don't have it out this time. And uh, so we're not going to sing it. And uh, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll end with a little meditation. So if you just get comfortable, getting comfortable is another word for praying. Close your eyes. You're standing before a huge plate glass window. 
quite smudged and dirty. But although for many, many years in this glass room that you seem to be in, you have looked only at the smudges, the fingerprints, the old coffee spills, and whatever else is on this wall of glass that you're now looking through, although that's all you've ever looked at before, now you have decided to look beyond all of this and you have seen a city of lights. A city set on a hill. A city with no buildings and no streets. And no people frantically rushing up and down after this and that. A city of peace. And of absolute shining joy. And this city of light is your home. But you can't quite see how to get there. It seems so far away. And you wish now to clean the glass. You've got your Windex, your uh, Glass Plus, but you look a little more closely and you realize, oh, these are not smudges on a window. These are painful rules and painful experiences that I've accumulated. These are uglinesses and judgments and grievances and bitternesses. And so you reach for another bottle. It's called Celestial Amnesia. <laughs> take out your bottle of celestial amnesia and you spray it on this glass window. Now look at what you are cleaning off of this. What is wrong with this world? It shouldn't be that way. Clean that off. It doesn't matter. I'm such and such a kind of person. I've always been that way and I'll always be that way. Clean that one off. this scene of betrayal. Clean it off. You want to remember your home. You want to remember God. And this is blocking your view. Nothing has happened to you but God. And that is a fact. And anything that you see around you but God is not there. Clean it off. And so now you wipe and you wipe and you wipe. And this glass wall becomes clearer and clearer. And you know what happens when it's completely clean? See it now, it's completely clean. There was not even the glass there. There was nothing there to separate you from your home. And so now I will be quiet. And with your eyes closed, walk home. And sit a while in the peace and in the heart of God.
Oh, we got to stop there. Did you hear that comment? Where are they? You see how far you went? Thanks a lot for coming.